0: By now, you've heard about Global Poker, one of the fastest-growing online card rooms available in the U.S. and Canada today. So what's stopping you from trying it out? Global Poker is a safe and secure social poker site that uses their own patented sweepstakes model. Signing up is easy. You can use Google, Facebook, or just an email address. You can always play for free on Global Poker, but you can also buy gold coins for additional play, which will earn sweeps coins that can be redeemed for real cash to a bank account, Skrill account, or even as a gift card. Get a free 5,000 gold coins when you sign up right now at GlobalPoker.com. Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales, both on and off the field. Hello and welcome to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This is episode number 110, featuring Benny Glazer. Uh, Benny is just 31 years old and uh, he didn't get his first cash at the World Series of Poker until 2015, but he's been able to do a lot in his limited time on the felt, becoming England's top bracelet winner ever with three titles. Uh, He got his first in 2015 when he won the $1,500 Deuce to Seven Triple Draw event for $136,000. A year later, he won back-to-back events Banking 244k in the $1,500 Omaha 8 or Better tournament and 407k in the $10,000 Omaha 8 or Better tournament. In the years since, he's also recorded a runner up finish in the 10k Stud 8 event and final tables in the $25,000 World Series of Poker Europe Mixed Games Championship and the $50,000 Poker Players Championship. Uh, Benny has also been very successful online with five scoop titles and three WCOOP titles on PokerStars. Uh, those are just the tournament stats, but he's also been quite the cash game grinder as well. And during this podcast, you'll hear about his time playing 1K, 2K in Bobby's room at Bellagio. Anyway, that's enough intro. Here is my conversation with Benny Glazer. I am here with Benny Glazer. Benny, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Julio. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on. I'm good.
0: Uh, You know, thank you so much for being patient with me while we played a little phone tag this week. (laughs) Um, No worries. How are things over there in the UK?
1: Well, I'd like to say things are good, but uh, (laughs) it's pretty miserable, to be honest. Um, You're essentially not allowed to leave the house and haven't been for six weeks and that will still continue for at least another week or two and um where that is just going to be reviewed so yeah it's been pretty grim to be honest with you um yeah I would like to have a less depressing answer about the UK but uh yeah it's uh rough times right now
0: You were a guy who liked to to move around and travel before lockdown. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What have you been up to while you've been uh, in lockdown? A lot of binging movies and TV or enjoying this online poker boom we've been seeing? Hmm.
1: Yeah, well, a fair bit of watching stuff, watching streams and other nonsense like that, just to keep myself entertained and occupied. Um, Last year I did yeah, enjoy some of that poker boom for sure um, in kind of the earlier months of it and the summer. But, yeah, it was quite uh, it was quite a lot, and it kind of wore me out. So, yeah, the last few months have been taking it uh, very easy in regards to online poker.
0: All right, well, we'll get back to uh, online poker and all your many Coop titles. <laughs> sure. Different your various coops. Um in a little bit, but let's get back to the beginning. Let's talk about uh growing up in, in Southampton. hmm Did I say that right? Okay, you so. did. Yeah. What well um Southampton. Um what was uh, life like <laughs> back there for you? What were you what were you getting into? I know you're you're into music.
1: Yes. Uh very much. So you I mean um kind of what? Ages, like just
0: Uh, Before poker, what were your interests before poker?
1: So, yeah, music um, has always been a big interest of mine. Um, I started playing classical guitar when I was about six, and then played that until nine, and then picked up the electric guitar at 13, and since then have been, yeah, very interested with it, and um, took music progressively seriously around those ages um my other interest kind of just before that i was you know with the plan to go to university oh, well sorry i did go to university with a plan to uh, continue with that um
0: real quick on the music i was uh i found your youtube channel <laughs> and was oh. uh was listening to some of your covers i mean you can really <laughs> shred it you know <laughs> <laughs> thanks yeah i show yeah, my daughter because she, she takes bass lessons right now i was like look you could be this good one day if you keep practicing
1: <laughs> nice yeah thanks that's uh yeah fun i haven't really put things up there in a in a long time but um yeah i do find it fun for sure with with covers and um have often wanted to be more active in that kind of stuff of putting on, on uh, videos yeah
0: Did you ever do the whole form of band thing?
1: I did kind of briefly when I was about uh, 17, 18 in in college for a year or so. But it was just fun, really. We we didn't take it too seriously just with friends. Um, I did kind of try to pursue it a bit more, but it was more difficult. And then, yeah, things happened. So what was that? yeah,
0: what was the band's name? And did you have a, a hit, God. a hit track? <laughs>
1: no, definitely not. And I'm I'm not going to say the name. It's just too absurd. It was, uh, it was um, we we did not. I, I'm just going to leave it there.
0: <laughs> Benny and the gaps.
1: <laughs> no, thankfully not. But but probably close up there with similar amounts of uh, embarrassment, but not related to my name. Um, <laughs> uh yeah so that was a long time ago and yeah i i have actually been wanting to get back into a band in kind of recent years but obviously with traveling the last five years or so so much it's really hard uh where obviously i'm not going to have much um regimented practice and a real schedule for that
0: what you need is to find three other poker players who play in yes and that way you guys just follow the the circuit Yeah. (laughs) yeah you guys just practice while you're on the tournament circuit maybe you play the gigs at each casino
1: (laughs) nice i have actually like met uh other poker players like instrument like who we've been planning to potentially have uh, a jam session with or two and i have had like a couple of fun things uh at certain stops occasionally um which have been fun like i had a friend who, uh, I also have a travel guitar as well, but it's, it's not, uh, so great in terms of the acoustics, but like yeah, I had China. a friend. Who, yeah. Uh, like a friend brought out his guitar to Vegas one time. Um, one time in Prague, a friend and I had like a jam session and yeah, potentially more in the future with, uh, speaking to a couple of friends of mine about it over the years if we ever get around to it it should be fun
0: Benny and the and the clubs Benny and the and the spades
1: <laughs> yeah that that might need a bit of work but you, you got some potential going there
0: to...
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right so Benny Benny and the you, bets I don't know Benny <laughs>
0: and the bets oh that's how you tag it right there <laughs> all right so you get to school and that's where yeah. you find poker
1: I, well, in short, I found poker at home, really, when I uh, saw my dad playing it online. Uh, when I was Oh, about... okay.
0: So, yeah, that's so, the the way the story goes is that you went to university and you got sick and basically had to go back home as a result where you discovered poker.
1: Uh, no, actually, I discovered poker initially before then, when I was about 14, 15, was when I saw that, uh, my dad playing it, and that... Uh, got me interested and then at the start of my university as well and like my last year of college the last year or so then I was also playing poker like in in the pub league and stuff at university so yeah that was some fun and like my uni housemates and I were playing as well and then went back home as well
0: you're uh you get home from school you see your dad is taking the game more seriously or is it just a matter of you know, you got nothing to do. So you decide to up the stakes. Sorry, at which age? Uh, when you got back home from school, what was the, the catalyst for taking the game more seriously?
1: The catalyst for that was probably uh, getting into more online poker. So firstly, when I was kind of um, 18, 19, I was like, okay, I'm actually doing well in like the public and, you know, beating on my roommates and stuff like that, um, and seeing how lucrative some of the online poker games were, and also kind of a friend introducing me to, like, the bigger sites, basically, was what sparked uh, my kind of rise through that and interest where I'm seeing just how like just how vast the other sites were with in terms of different games and in terms of how many more people there were and everything to do with the poker community like finding two plus two finding um other friends through that so all of that yeah really sparked my interest
0: what was it that got your dad into poker was he was he just a victim of the money maker boom
1: I don't actually know to be honest with you. I think it was just before the Moneymaker boom um that he and I started so couldn't actually tell you. I don't i don't think I've ever asked him.
0: <laughs> so you uh you see your dad playing Omaha or what was the story there? Because obviously you got introduced into mixed games you know, well before a lot of the other people, you know, dipped their toes in. everyone was usually starting with Hold'em.
1: Yeah, so initially from like 15 to 18, that was all um, I saw him playing was Hold'em. And I was, you know, like watching WPT shows at that age and like Poker After Dark and all that good stuff in the UK um, when it was all Hold'em. So until about... from eighteen to nineteen. Um I was just playing hold'em online. Uh both limit and no limit. Um and and also in like in the pub league it was all hold'em. And then yeah, I think it was nineteen or so when I saw my dad playing pl PLO eight and that just fascinated me. Um that that just kind of blew my mind. And that was I think just before i had like discovered full tilt and just a few months on from that then i saw all the incredible nosebleed games on full tilt with the mixed games which yeah fascinated me further and got me to try it
0: so what was your your learning process like for those games just trial and error or did you go to the library and pick up a bunch of books
1: It was actually largely watching those Full Tilt games, which initially um, sparked my learning of it. I was trying to either emulate what I saw uh, the best guys doing or uh, at least trying to understand the reasoning behind it and then trying to implement it myself. And also then 2 plus 2 as well. Um, I became more interested in that where there was, uh, you know, a bunch of discussions or like past articles from people um, about various strategy. Uh, I didn't really get any books about mixed games because, I mean, unfortunately there weren't really anything available aside from Super System.
0: Yeah, that's right. There was very few. uh, I mean, there was maybe one or two split pot books Mm. Uh, but they were a little outdated. <laughs> so, yeah, so you're playing online, you're getting to mixed games. Do you have a, another job at this point, or are you all in on poker?
1: No, I, I didn't have another job at that point. Um, I was just kind of progressively going from part-time poker to more seriously full-time. Yeah. <laughs> um, What was your first big breakthrough,
0: Uh, either score or session or something, where you thought... Okay, this is where I could do for a living for sure.
1: I don't think I ever really had that moment to be honest. It was just kind of gradually rising up through the stakes and seeing myself improve and slowly building my bankroll and um seeing that I could, you know, do well at progressively growing limits. I don't think there was ever really that moment partly I mean I probably would have just been a bit scared to be like right fuck it I'm all in (laughs) you know um so I think I was like progressively proving to myself and building up confidence that way
0: what was your ambition at that time I mean did you want to become a top online player and just you know be able to play from the comfort of home did you see yourself one day getting to Bobby's room did you want to go to Vegas and win bracelets like what what were Do you look up to other, you know, British poker players as kind of like, who had a blueprint of what to do?
1: I mean, sure, ideally, I would look up and be like, okay, playing in those games would be amazing, having those abilities, um, would be amazing, but it wasn't like so much a realistic goal for me, um like at that time anyway, it was so long ago, you know, like 11 years ago, 12 years ago. So when, sure, I was like, yeah, it'd be an amazing dream to win a bracelet. But at that time, it, it, yeah, just wasn't near a reality of a goal for me. Um, So, yeah, it, it had just slowly progressed. And sure, I admired guys. I think even Matt Ashton was still in those games at that time. Crushing it where i think he was really the only english player at that time that um i could look up to and yeah try and emulate and well he's still going he's still a beast and one of the best and <laughs> yeah it, it, i didn't really have tangible goals for myself it was kind of just slow small steps at a time
0: Let's talk about your first trip to the World Series uh, back in 2014. Yeah. Uh, What was it like for you? Um, Obviously, you know, how did it go? And uh, what made you come back? (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, it went terribly. (laughs) I I didn't catch a single event. So it pretty much, in that regard, went as bad as it could. I think cash games were okay. Uh, But, yeah, tournament-wise, it was not very good for my results and bankroll um but yeah, I remember that it did make me grow in confidence when um I saw that I could compete with all those guys and even that I was better than guys that I previously thought were were very good and had looked up to um so that in itself was kind of what made me come back to know that actually, for, like, long-term EV, this is a profitable thing. It's not like I just, you know, took a punt on something and lost. It's like, yeah, this is profitable in the long term. I want to try and come back and uh, make the most of it.
0: What was your, uh, your opinion of the World Series when you first saw it? Was it like you pictured, or was it overwhelming, or...? Did you think to yourself, "Oh, this is where I can really thrive"?
1: Hmm. I got. I, I, I got to imagine yeah. as a
0: mixed games specialist. That's the one time of the year where you can really get excited because you kind of have all your options available. Whereas, you yeah, know, the rest of the year on the tournament circuit, it's really only hold'em.
1: Yeah. So, so at that time, I was. Playing like relatively low stakes online, I was, you know, completely unknown online and with like not much success, really. Um, So in a way, it was overwhelming. It was um, still like a a bankroll risk for me in uh, 2014. And yeah, it was overwhelming in the way of playing for the first time with a bunch of big names that I've never played with before and it was intimidating really um and it was somewhat do you remember your uh your was... first
0: event or the first table draw you had where you were, were you starstruck at all
1: <laughs> yeah I do um I don't know if this was my f- very first event but um In the first year, I do remember, like, my dealer's choice table, I think it was. It was abysmal. It was, like, some of the... It was Todd Brunson, Sean Buchanan, um, like, who was still up there with some of the best mixed-games players, who was, I think it was Mizraki, one of the Mizraki's as well, all at the same table, And, (laughs) and I was... All
0: seven Mizraki's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I was just looking around and I'm like f- f- what the fuck's going this is not what I signed up for kind of thing um, yeah so, so that was um, somewhat frightening that is one table I do remember sticking out in my mind for the first year so yeah th- those were overwhelming for sure and yeah since then as you said the World Series is really the main place for makes game player to play the bigger, more interesting stakes and tournaments throughout the year. Yeah. The rest of the time it's holding.
0: So you come back the next year, 2015, yeah. and you win a bracelet. Tell me about that. That was the fifteen hundred dollar deuce to seven triple draw low ball event.
1: Yeah. Uh that was nice. Um I it was, yeah, it was very unexpected. Um, it was my second cache of the summer. So I still remember, like, my first cache was, like, I don't know, 300, 400 or something in the millimaker. <laughs> and then my second cash is the win, which was just really surreal uh and very unexpected they yeah, have it
0: here 289th in the millimaker
1: <laughs> for yeah. just
0: under six grand so you know a big difference between that and winning a bracelet uh for 140
1: grand <laughs> yes so that that was really wild um it was i mean it, it was amazing and it, it kind of came like one step at a time in that regard but everything was new still like you have the reporters um you know you're moving to a final table where everyone's watching so it's all pretty kind of intimidating in, in that regard and i was i think just focusing on you know kind of playing one hand at a time and just focusing on playing the best i could and was not really like focusing on the win the many points like, at least before the final table. Um, Yeah, and that was pretty life-changing. It was amazing.
0: Uh, What were you feeling heads-up in that one? Were you thinking, this might be my only opportunity, I got to get this done, or were you just, like, the cards played themselves at that point?
1: Well, the heads-up was interesting. Um, Partly because online... At that point, I was mostly playing heads up, so and doing well in various like heads up singos of mixed games. So I was pretty confident in that regard. Um, but even given that, the heads up went very quickly. Um, I just ran very good, and yeah, like w- was confident and kind of the cards played themselves in that regard where i ran better than he did to win it very quickly from how deep the stacks were
0: uh so obviously you get that bracelet you come back the next year and then you win back-to-back bracelets in the 1500 08 and then the 10k 08 uh i mean that's that takes you from one level to astronomical level <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that was truly surreal. Um,
0: First, let's talk about Omaha, because you, you've mentioned before that's your favorite game.
1: Uh, it's not my favorite game. It might be my best game. Uh, okay. Generally, my favorite game is uh, No Limit Single Draw. Do so. so
0: what do you think makes you or makes you stand out in Omaha 8 or better?
1: Well, in in the World Series especially I think like uh, at least by that point and in those times I had pretty much put in more volume of 08 than like almost anyone else in that field. Um so online that was probably my main uh cash game grinding format. So I was generally very uh, confident in my game at that time and h- had been doing very well online and pretty much like most of the American guys at that time can't really or couldn't really put in the same amount of volume online. And yeah, I think that <laughs> That shows. Without trying to sound arrogant, yeah, I think my edges oh, in, in those fields. I can fields hear
0: you beating very... around the bush. <laughs> You're being politically <laughs> yeah. correct, but I understand your point. Yeah, because Americans don't have the access to the online mm-hmm. games, and especially not mixed games. I mean, I'm over here in Nevada, and I'm stuck with mostly hold'em online, and um, yeah, so it, it would make sense for them to be a little rusty when those games come around. Come come the summer.
1: Yeah. Rush so is okay, the, the diplomatic way of saying <laughs>
0: <laughs> So let's talk about the difference in fields, because you win the $1,500 buy-in version of the event, and three days later you win the 10 k yeah. buy-in version. Um, are, are these massively different final tables, or are people still what? making the same
1: errors? Um, final tables, not so much. I mean, overall fields, massively different, yeah, for sure. I uh, I still remember like my starting table day 1 in the 08 you know that average age is like 60 <laughs> and <laughs> have a guy who's like half falling asleep at the table um compared to the the 10k fields which are much much tougher um I think overall for for the final tables though I was like relatively comfortable um The 1500, for sure, I was able, or I at least felt that I was more able to kind of put pressure on most of the other guys who are potentially less experienced um, and less experienced at playing for that amount of money, too. Um, And, yeah, like, the 10K final table, like, you know, everyone there is a no-name and has been successful, already. So, yeah, that one is... That was much tougher, but at the same time, I still felt like I had a good edge versus the remaining players.
0: What's crazy is that earlier that week, you had final tabled the 10K uh, No Limit Deuce, your favorite game, as you said. Yeah. uh, Finish finish fifth. But other than that, you had made four final tables and won three of them. Um, (laughs) Was there something magical about being a closer, or was it just a matter of variance hitting you at the right time?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is definitely one of my favorite stats when I had six caches and three wins. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a a combination of things. I think I understand and understood tournaments well at that time, um, potentially better than my opposition there, and felt, yeah, as I said, like I was able to put pressure on decently and accumulate chips. Um, But yeah, it was just a bunch of variants as well. Obviously, I'm I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot of luck to win a tournament. So yeah, the, the run good came at the right times really when it mattered for those final tables.
0: So in those three, three uh, final tables, you want to combine $700,000, which is an amazing summer for any mixed games player. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So What do you splurge on? Any big purchases? Anything fun?
1: Uh, Again, it's another answer where I'd like to be able to say (laughs) a fun answer. Like, yeah, I got something absurd. But no, that's that's not really uh, my my style, I guess. Um, 62
0: Telecaster?
1: (laughs) I actually had planned to buy um, a new guitar after that. And... Well, it's a, essentially, I, I <laughs> still never have. I've still been planning to get that guitar since because it, it was kind of a special one, which is uh, rare to find. Um, like, they don't sell it in the U.K., so it was only in the U.S. where I was going to buy. So, yeah, it's been a few years when I've been planning to buy that and haven't yet. Um, what's your yeah. what's
0: your white whale? What's your guitar white whale?
1: It's a kind of a PRS, uh, a Paul Reed Smith, which I kind of fell in love with when I was like 15 and uh yeah have never, man- never managed to own any PRS and you know they're so expensive that they're like 3k 4k I, I want to <laughs> buy the one that is going to be one that I'm going to be happy with to own for 10 plus years and is the right one um right yeah Yeah, exactly. Other than that, not really. Again, I'd like to say that I had bought something absurd for fun, but, yeah, you know, buying a nice dinner for friends or something, you know, drinks or whatever, like, during that World Series, that was obviously fun. Um, Some nights out, but, yeah, I don't really buy material, expensive stuff.
0: We have a question here. What did you do with the bracelets? Do you keep them in a box? Are they hanging up somewhere, you
1: know, displayed? Pretty much, just kind of in the box on my desk. <laughs> yeah, just another boring answer. I have one uh, bracelet here in my flat, and then two at uh, my parents' house. Just yeah, kind of on the desk. Yeah. So you
0: are currently the record holder for the most bracelets uh, for the UK. Is that, is that a weird <laughs> stat for you to have?
1: Uh, it's an awesome. Is stat that for weird? Me to you? To
0: have. <laughs> I I love that stat. Because <laughs> I mean, you you'd think given the proud history of, of yeah. the World Series of Poker, that there would have been one player out there with with a few. But you just came in here in the last five years and snatched that record up.
1: Yeah, I, I know what you're saying, and I agree. Um, when I did win the third one, like the, the second or third in that same week, and then became aware of that stat, that, that was wild and surprising to me. And obviously I love to... Uh, take that that title and it's definitely something i plan to try and keep hold of um yeah obviously the difference in like uk to other countries in there is big so yeah that was uh a very nice stat to have
0: yeah i'm looking at this list behind you and i think you have a good chance to hold this record for a while <laughs> unless unless steven chidwick starts you know slumming it in some of the s- smaller buying events at the series yeah <laughs> Let's see. Uh, All right. We have a question here. Hopefully it's not too painful, but uh, you have some close calls on your tournament resume. You know, you get a fifth place at the 50 K poker players championship. You Mm finished second in the 10 K stud high low Um, fourth in the 25 K mixed game championship in Roswithal. Which one stings the most? Which one was, uh, is the one that keeps you up at night?
1: (laughs) I mean, I think probably naturally it's the the second place in the the ten k study um, where it's the closest to an, another bracelet. Um, we well, we we did uh, deal heads up as I'm friendly with Chris, um, but yeah, that this was... is uh,
0: Christopher Vitch, who yes. you know got a few bracelets himself.
1: Yeah, um, very talented mixed game player in his own right for sure. Um, and the, the heads up was quite a battle for several hours. So yeah, we did end up chopping, but that is, yeah, being so close to another bracelet, that's the one out of, uh, mm-hmm. the ones you listed, I think that stings the most. Also probably a, a couple of online ones which, uh, sting up there too. Um, and as far as kind of like, prestige then yeah the 50k would have been absolutely amazing to to close out and do better than the fifth place uh
0: you obviously play have to play a lot of cash games Mm -hmm. um, because there just isn't that many mixed game tournaments running um what's your breakdown as far as what percentage of the time you're spending playing cash versus tournaments
1: generally when i'm Traveling to, like, EPT stops and places like that, it's mostly tournaments. Uh, World Series 2, mostly tournaments, when I just value them so highly, and um, they're such high EV. But I'm still going to be playing some uh, tournaments, sorry, some cash games occasionally, like, uh, yeah, maybe one Bobby's Room game in the summer or something. For interest and when I'm at home um, it depends if there's a series on really online then during coops most of my focus again is on tournaments uh, still occasionally playing some cash game tables but depends what's running how many tournaments I'm left with things like that and outside of coop then probably more cash games overall. Um, kind of just for the sake of volume, as you said. Uh, but it, it's tough. As why I was kind of hesitant with this answer because cash games generally are, are pretty dead online these days. Um, so for the sake of kind of stable volume, I'd be playing some no-limit tournaments as well, even outside of series, just to try and get in some volume.
0: Yeah, you know, it was crazy. Most people add the mixed games in so that they can uh, become more dimensional in their game. But mm. these days, mixed games players are forced to go back to Hold'em to to fill in the dead spots.
1: Yeah, definitely. The, um, I wish there were more mixed games online. But yeah, the reality of it, of it for the last couple of years is it's like a lot of waiting around, like waiting to start a table or something. Cash game, you're just sitting at a stake for an hour before you might get someone to join who who's you know <laughs> another good reg it's like okay do i want to just battle someone right now maybe not so I'll play other tournaments um so yeah it's kind of boring and less lucrative in in that way as well so i've haven't been doing that as much because it was just yeah not very interesting
0: any uh, crazy bobby's room stories
1: nothing crazy really i've only played there once um how big was the game it this... was the 1k 2k limit <laughs>
0: so okay so does that something like that make you sweat or is it just a, another oh, yeah. game new lineup <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm used to dealing with book players with such egos who are like no i'm the greatest in the world and of course it was they were all bowing down to me by the third deal you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so who you know, who's in the game? What was the lineup?
1: That game, um I mean I'm not uh, I was gonna say I'm not playing that high unless it's kind of a good game. I think that one had uh Blesnik, Jared Blesnik, uh Keith Lair, um Matthew Schreiber, I believe. Um one other play one other kind of bobby's room reg who i can't think of right now um
0: was this one of those games where the fish names the games
1: this particular time the the format was already made when i had arrived um i was previously like playing some lower stakes before like there's a seat open like to give you an idea, I was playing, like, I think it was 8160 or or, or um, even 50, 100 limits before I got a call to go into that one where there was the seat open. Um, and I played it because it was a good mix for me as well. It was, like, five of pretty much my best games. So I was, yeah, pretty confident that I was doing well in that mix. Um, but, yeah, it was it was fun. It was, as you said, it was an experience, and it was... Yes, something awesome to tick off the bucket list. Playing Bobby's room.
0: Did it? Did it go well?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, a, a nice profit. I think it was about twenty, thirty thousand profit on that.
0: Yeah. Um, we got some rapid fire questions to close it out. If you are ready.
1: Oh boy! Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. S- stretching. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: Biggest pot you've ever won or lost. Your choice.
1: Uh yeah, it would it would be in that Bobby's Room game. I think it was uh like a forty five K pot. Yeah. Uh that I won, thankfully. <laughs> uh
0: any details? Any sweat or was it just uh it, it, I mean a-
1: It's not it wasn't too interesting. Base it was just no limit Holdem uh I shoved squeezed shoved uh, when it plays with a cap with kings and got called by nines and there was no nine there we go yeah. best swap or piece you've ever had of anybody <laughs> uh there have been a few uh mostly thanks to my good friend adam owen um who
0: yeah, he's done well
1: <laughs> yes so i had Two from him have been huge. One, he got uh, second in a Party Poker Millions for 1.3 million. Uh, I think I had five swap there, percent. Nice. Swap. And uh, in his third place in EPT Barcelona, I had... 15% I believe so that was very nice as well
0: wow I thought you were going to talk about his his smaller WSOP scores so that's even better
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I also had swaps to there as well so yeah
0: <laughs> Adam's coming through strong yeah all right sure.
1: he, he's done well for me too so I've been <laughs> you know it's been it's been reciprocated as well but yeah
0: what is the weirdest place you've ever played poker for money
1: oh boy, um
0: no shady no shady pub games
1: <laughs> I don't think there's anything that crazy either i don't know i feel- I feel like <laughs> boring and tame when I don't have anything to say it's just, i don't know like a hotel room or some it's not gonna be that wild really um yeah i don't does, think the, does that
0: happen often where around. I mean, I know there was a a period of time where people played a lot of Chinese after hours on the circuit, um, in the hotel rooms and stuff, but I'm I'm guessing poker itself doesn't pop up too often. might as well just go downstairs to the room, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it depends how you do it, obviously, but I think a lot of them are going to be, like, self-dealt, rather than, like, you know, you have to hire a dealer. Um, I was... (laughs) I was at one point going to play... in uh, a game where, like, a guy had hired a dealer for his own room. I think it was, like, Gus Hansen's game in uh, Barcelona where he had, like, had his own dealer that he'd hired in, like, a (laughs) suite, which would have been pretty baller. Um, Yeah, I I think it happens, I mean, reasonably often. As you (laughs) said, Chinese is so much easier game to do it. Uh, Self-dealt. But, yeah, I think on tournament stops, depends, like... You can, it, like, it has to be people you trust, obviously. That's why it would be self-dealt and not with a dealer. Uh,
0: what was your worst job before poker? And if not for poker, what would you be doing?
1: Damn. Uh, okay. Um, uh, my worst job. Again, I don't really have, like, serious job before poker. I mean, as a temporary paper boy for a couple of
0: weeks that sounds terrible <laughs> so what did, did you have it. to do on that was so were you on a bicycle or
1: yeah so the bike de- delivering newspapers at whatever <laughs> six seven in the morning it was not super fun um that was it for like two weeks i think so poker
0: is outlawed tomorrow what do you do
1: i okay <laughs> i was also going to answer the what would i be doing if it wasn't for poker yeah and it's, it's something I've thought about in the past, too, and also for the future for when I think I will not be so heavily involved in poker anymore. And I think mostly for, for music as well is kind of my default thought and answer, um, like if it was a guitar teacher or even hopefully something like a guitar like session musician um i think that would be the most fun oh, oh or, or uh, like a producer or something in that regard um and yeah what was the next question if poker was outlawed
0: oh no that was the question i was just phrasing it a different way <laughs> all right uh, sure. okay do you bel- do you wear headphones at the table and if so what are you listening to
1: it depends um like world series mostly not if like especially if i have friends at the table or someone who I like to communicate with um then mostly not but i mean it's such a long grind during those so yeah definitely <laughs> some of the time i'm just listening to music to to keep myself sane or even to to drown out the <laughs> people i don't want to listen to
0: yeah there's certain uh, people
1: yeah <laughs> for sure so uh, i it you don't have to name a, them
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah it can vary a lot from what i'm listening to t- from like kind of more chilled kind of house music uh or electro to just kind of grind peacefully to or uh more rock music i'm going to listen to t- to uh maybe give myself some more energy for a, a long grind or a long night ahead. Do you have a favorite album? Of all time?
0: I know it's tough. That's it's a really hard question to ask a musician too. That's really
1: hard. I don't know if I can answer that. In good do you have a favorite band or artist? Um top three? <laughs> top three? Top three. So, um, well, for, for kind of house, my favorite producer is uh, Vexento. i um, been listening to most for the last, like, three years. Uh, kind of rock. A uh, favorite artist used to be a, a altar um, really? uh Alter Bridge. Really?
0: Wasn't that the... Um... Wasn't that the the members of Creed with a new yeah, singer? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay.
1: Was it. Before they stopped being uh, C- Christian Rock, or kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, or like Biffy Clyro used to be one of my favorites. And then uh, there's a band called Fang Island, which I absolutely love, and probably
0: nobody would have heard of them. <laughs> Yo, well, I'm uh, gonna check them out after this. Fang Island, nice.
1: Yeah so they're, right, they're have, just amazing uh, they're the most upbeat awesome rock like they absolutely give you energy for a nice grind to
0: yeah i'm excited to hear that uh do you have a favorite movie
1: uh i could give you like a top three as well there you probably go. i know time. things like anchorman um snatch and two very similar movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was thinking or like um uh, Happy Gilmore. is also something like that.
0: Great choice. Um, all right. What about a favorite gambling movie?
1: Oh, I, I actually haven't watched gambling movies much. I've been really meaning to. Um, still really want to see Molly's Game. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be so cliche to say rounders, right? <laughs> um,
0: comes up often.
1: I don't know if I've seen many more apart from that. That I can... Think of so I guess that'll have to be my answer.
0: Do yeah. you have a celebrity doppelganger or somebody uh people told you you look like growing up?
1: Uh, growing up no, more recently uh I've had a few friends who have said, what's his name um, uh, some something like michael vaughn but not it's um i'd have to remember it's a american actor and he's a vince vaughn no i'm pretty <laughs> sure it's michael v something. michael vartan oh yes Vartan. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 and wow google is great <laughs> <laughs> well done nice yeah and he's a damn handsome man so i'll take that as a compliment
0: Whoa, I could totally see that. <laughs> nice, yeah. Yeah, I'm totally seeing that. I don't know who this guy is or what he's done, but he's French-American, and he's... Oh, he's on the TV show Alias. Nice. Well, there yeah. you go. There you go, guys. That's, that's nice. what Benny looks like. He looks like the guy from Alias. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll definitely take it. He's, uh, handsome. Uh,
0: okay, do you like telling people that you're a professional poker player?
1: Oof. <laughs> Mostly not. I think is the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, mixed reactions. Um, I guess. Yeah, what, is the
0: attitude different in the states than it is over there? I
1: mean, I don't know. I think it is. Uh, it can be different in different ways, and like typically, when I'm in the states, w- where I'd be giving that answer is Las Vegas, <laughs> where generally people are going to be, like, more excited by it. Um, And they're more kind of familiar with that culture and things like that. Um, Whereas, like, in the UK, it would be like, oh, I've never met a professional poker player before. Um, Which is obviously interesting to a lot of people, but then you've got to answer a whole bunch of questions that you've answered a million times, most of which are kind of, just absurd like oh you do you make money at, at that you know like, yes pro- I'm pro- professional yes if I give you a
0: $100 can you double it for yeah me?
1: yeah <laughs> those kind of questions <laughs> so it's it's either like that where they're interested to the point of you answering those kind of questions or generally they might have some less than favorable like preconceptions of it um you know, like if they relate it to just either gambling and not being skillful at all, or if they might know someone who's had less than great experiences of it, then they'll just, you know, look at you as it not being such a great profession, really. So essentially, the answer is no, I'd rather not <laughs> Do you have a good lie? <laughs>
0: Do you have a good lie set up?
1: Um, n- not really. The, the I, car, and they say, "What thinking, do you do for a living?" <laughs> I once randomly went on on a speed dating thing, where halfway through, after like telling people for the first half that I was a professional poker player, I was like texting my friend of like, "Can you give me some other <laughs> suggestions for <laughs> occupations that I could be?" Um. It's like yeah, like a underwear model, or it could be a pilot, or a (laughs) neurosurgeon—just things that are more fun. Yeah, things that aren't red flags, like professional poker (laughs) players. Yeah, and things that are like are inherently very uh, positive and favorable. (laughs) Underwear model, you know.
0: Yeah, everyone loves underwear models. Um, Do you have a nemesis, somebody that you can't beat, or uh, someone who's just always held over you?
1: Oh, that's a rough question. Uh, um,
0: Because you have several answers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There have been like kind of a lot throughout the years. Uh, Some of them I don't feel like I'd want. Like they deserve a name drop, you know. (laughs) Some of them I'd be like, "Oh man, this guy." I don't want to give him the satisfaction of saying his (laughs) name.
0: That's (laughs) fine. I understand.
1: Um. (laughs) Yeah, I'd, but most of them have, like, kind of come and gone. You know, like, they never, I don't know, they never, like, stayed a nemesis for longer than, like, a year or something. Like, let's say when I was playing Heads Up, Sit and goes, I'd have, like, a couple of nemesis for a year, and then I would, like, have moved on to a different format or different format or higher stakes or something like that. Uh So, yeah, there have been a few, but I don't think any kind of career-long nemesis, no. Are you superstitious at all? Hmm. I'd like to think no. I'd like to think, like, I'm too rational for that, uh, generally. Or I try to be very logical and rational. So mostly my answer is no, but sometimes it can just be fun to have a bit of superstition. You know, like, if it just doesn't, harm you at all it's like okay this is uh i don't know you wear like oh this is, i'm wearing a t-shirt at my at this live stop where I, I won that tournament i'm going maybe i'll wear it again you know just like some nonsense like that that can just be fun uh yeah
0: what's the most entertaining thing you've watched read or listened to since lockdown
1: Hmm. good question
0: feel like there's a lot. Um... Are you a big binger? Do you like sit down and sit and watch something from start to finish or
1: sometimes? Yeah, like, yeah, there's there's an occasional like Netflix series that I would binge. Um, But I was trying to think like most of the content that I've uh, consumed over the last, like, 10 months has been a lot of nonsense. (laughs) It's just a lot of, uh, like, (laughs) a poker stream or something, or just something to keep me occupied or entertained. So it's actually trying to think of a good answer aside from those things, like something that's actually, you know, been either interesting or or uh, thought-provoking, you know, things that I've learned something from.
0: some people have said Tiger King, so... Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> the, bar, the bar is pretty low. Wow. <laughs> as long as you don't say cat videos on YouTube, I think you're, you'll are you be all right. <laughs> um, yeah, there,
1: there are a few, like, just podcasts and, and interviews from other poker players, which have been quite enlightening and uh, thought-provoking. Um, you know, guys like Jason Kuhn, uh, Ike Haxton... Uh, ben Salski, all hyper-intelligent people and just have really fascinating outlooks about the game and life and the way they've studied. So, I th- yeah, definitely, like, every interview of those that I've seen, I've been able to kind of get at least one or two bits of information that have really interested me or have been valuable
0: Oh, there you go. Check it out. Uh, Jason Kuhn was on this show, and I'll get the other two awesome. shortly.
1: <laughs> um, good. Yeah, would love to hear more from them. Let's see. Do
0: you have uh, a big pet peeve at the table?
1: Oh, I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I was just talking to a friend about one of them, if I can remember. I mean, man, it's been, like, a year since i played live poker. I almost can't even remember anymore. (laughs) Um, What do you find the most annoying thing
0: somebody can say or do when they sit down? When they sit down? Um, Or just, you know,
1: during the game. The other thing is, like, also mixed games can sometimes, like, have their own... (laughs) <laughs> own special kind of annoying needling things that people do. Um, man. You mean as uh, far as I, procedurally? Yeah. Uh, g- give me a sec. I want to think of something good. Um, I remember there was a little bit of a drama
0: one summer over. I can't remember if it's Raz or Stud 8. It's got to be, it must be Raz, where people were mucking the oh. bring-in card before, even though nobody completed. So...
1: Oh, before was that time to act?
0: Right. So, like, let's, I guess it must have been Raz. So let's say they had the, the bring-in with a bad card. There were people who were just mucking before they received their fourth card. And there was some drama over whether the dealer should give the, a dead... You know hand cards or not
1: oh right, yeah in that in that case, then they they should still always get a fourth card, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, but I'm trying to think of like procedure like what else people can do in mixed games that would <laughs> ruffle some feathers?
1: no, it's, it might just be like the way they muck their up cards, for example, or if they like you know they make the dealer muck their up card in that way, it' just goes slow the game down a lot more or. Like a way a pot might be chopped or something. It's going to be annoying. I did that is, that... You're
0: right. That is infuriating when people toss their cards towards the dealer and leave their up cards up. Yeah. Like, clean up your own mess. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I did remember. I think my biggest pet peeve is when they either call an all-in or there's an all Like, an all-in has happened. Like, or their all-in was called. And they wait... Before they see your card. Until they turn their cards over. <laughs> like as if they've called you. Well, especially when they have fucking aces pre. And they're like oh well I called you. I want to see what I called you with first. Before I turn my hand over. Yeah fucking aces. Just turn your hand over first. That is definitely my biggest pet peeve. That's happened to me so many times.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Like you know Brutal. I just I just three bet jam. They They call. They look at my hand, and then they—they they like pause. Are like, "Oh, you have this hand," and then I turn over my aces to show what how how cool I am and how much skill it took me to have aces and get it all in.
0: Yeah, so that's all. brutal. Uh, do you have a bold prediction for poker's
1: future? Oh man, um, again, it's probably going to be a kind of depressing note because I think. It's just kind of heading in the way of things being solved and robotic, and it's kind of turning into a game of whoever has the best resources in terms and best materials for study, uh, especially online, like whoever's bought the best X. so I think. That's potentially why there's more interest for live coming back um, and why online is doing less well than it was kind of last year, um, aside from the kind of the boom money going out. So yeah, I, I feel like I've seen a lot of talk about people wanting to get back to live poker for that. Um, and also I would hope that as a result of that, some more people would heads towards the kind of less solved games like the mixed games and things like that so there has been like a trend in places you know, like Vegas especially and even Bobby's Room where it's like okay we just introduce whatever nonsense game that people are unfamiliar with or haven't played or that there's not a soul before or something like that like Deuce the Seven Razz or something for example they, you know games that made up there but like slowly spread around the US for example so yeah I ideally I would like to say that some people would head away from like the sold slightly dying games to the more interesting ones going back to the kind of pure form whether that will lit- actually happen I don't know but I hope so
0: yeah, I've been seeing some uh, Razdugi
1: and some mm-hmm. Dramaha. <laughs> so. Yeah, Dramaha is a fun game. That's like quite a uh, popular one now in, in all the mixes. There are even like different versions of Dramaha. There's Deuce 7 Dramaha. There's Badugi, Dramaha, baduga uh, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so those games kind of were, were born from that format and reasoning where people they, were fed up. They of, all need a bracelet event i'm
0: telling you every game deserves a
1: bracelet (laughs) bring back a chinese bracelet as well (laughs) uh, like i mean i'm for that for my (laughs) bb but realistically like i think it's gonna potentially make a mockery of some of the bracelets yeah so for like part of me would love that but also you know part of me still wants to keep some prestige of a bracelet.
0: (laughs) We end the podcast the same way every time with a question from the random question generator. Okay. Okay. Have you or someone you know ever seen a ghost? And if not, what do you think of those who believe in ghosts?
1: I have not. And don't think i can think of any friends who have (laughs) at least and not in any like serious capacity um generally i uh probably (laughs) look unfavorably on people who think that they have seen a ghost generally um because i generally like to be science minded and uh with logic and this question is
0: just designed to get you to piss off my the five percent of my listeners (laughs) believe in ghosts (laughs) here let me Uh, give you another one yeah Uh,
1: well i was gonna say that i i would think that there is gonna be some kind of scientific reasoning behind it in most scenarios so you know they might think they have Anyway, I'm not gonna. (laughs) All right, here we go. Press it again.
0: All right, that one doesn't work for you because we already talked about your music. Okay, that's also depressing. I'm not gonna ask you that one. (laughs) (laughs) That that one just. Do you think the children born today will have better or worse lives than their
1: parents? Oh Christ. (laughs) Right. Oh, God. that's yeah, definitely depressing. Yeah, let's try and end it on a more upbeat note, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. If magic was real,
1: what spell <laughs> would you try to learn first? Oh man. Um. I mean, yeah, it's kind of the, I guess, the question of like, what superpower? What super, would you yeah, write? yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, instantly, the first things that come to mind are like, flight or invisibility. Uh And then I was wondering about, like, a potential uh skill, like, I don't know, a more kind of catch-all thing, like, I would have the spell to, like, instantly learn anything I wanted, something like that
0: right uh, that covers all your bases
1: yeah yeah exactly you
0: become neo in the matrix
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be amazing yeah you just tap into whatever and uh it gets uploaded into your brain instant. let's go and at the end of the movie he flies so there you go yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway
0: benny thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing the stories
1: yeah thanks for having me man it was fun
0: that will do it that's the show Thank you once again to Benny, especially considering uh, the internet issues I had the first time we tried recording. If you want to follow Benny on his poker journey or ask him about coaching or maybe listen to some more of his guitar, you can find him on Twitter at Benny Glazer. And uh, like other guests on this show before him, such as uh, Ronnie Barda, Andrew Lichtenberger, Matt Berkey, Kelly Minkin, Scott Clemens, Tyler Patterson, David Baker, Joe Cotta, Justin Young, and Lane Flack. Benny is also a part of Matt Waxman's new project, Poker Rhythm, which you can learn more about at pokerhythm.com. That's pokerithm.com. Don't forget to subscribe for a new Poker Stories podcast episode every other week. And in the meantime, please go ahead and do us the great courtesy of giving us five stars, and perhaps a few words in a nice review. If you do that, and then tell us about it with an email to pokerstories at cardplayer.com, we'll give you a free digital subscription to Card Player Magazine. Uh, You'll be able to access the archives with more than 800 issues dating all the way back to 1988. Oh, wow, what a great deal. Yeah, I agree, that is a good deal. Again, you can leave the rating and review on any podcast app, usually by scrolling to the bottom and then email pokerstories at for your digital subscription. Thanks for listening.